Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Now I want us to get into the Word. I'm going to read three verses of Scripture uh, that may be three of the most read, talked about, preached, workshopped verses in all of the Bible. And I want you to believe God today that He has you here so He can speak to you. I want you to believe, God, that today is the beginning of you getting on with it. See, because if I had a I need to get on with it meter, and I could just hang it on your neck and see where you're at, and I start with Carmelita, and just I need to get on with it. Most of us would really register, yes, Lord, I do need to get on with it. Can five people say amen? We need, and I want you today to hear the word of the Lord for the purpose of change, for the purpose of getting on with it, for the purpose of moving forward spiritually. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon very simply titled, The Great Commission. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us your word. God, I thank you for allowing us to be here in your presence today. We thank you for being here by your spirit, God. And I ask you that you'd anoint me to say the things that would be sound in doctrine, God, that would teach your people. God, I pray that you would take us and mold us, shape us, God, to hear your word and to obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Great Commission. That is a big phrase for... uh, to teach us this simple meaning that God has something for us to do. He has commissioned us. Now, if you've been in the military, you understand that an officer gets commissioned. A, non, uh, a, a non-commissioned officer gets a commission. Uh, when, when someone trusts you to do something for them and gives you their authority to do it, you've been commissioned to do something. It's a mission that's given to you by someone else under their authority. And I want every Christian in the room to know that we have a mission. We have a mission that we've been commissioned to do by the Lord. And this morning, I want us to look at this great commission that Jesus gave the church and try to learn some things so that we can apply them to our life, not just so that we'll know what he said, but so that we can live what he said. And every one of us is at a different place in our process, in our spiritual journey of becoming everything that God wants us to be. Some of you haven't got to the starting block yet. 
You, you, you're just kind of watching from the stands, wondering if you want to really get in this thing. You, you need to get saved. But for everyone who is saved, we're at different places in our spiritual journey of becoming everything God wants us to be. But we all need to grow. We, we all need to begin to understand, yes, it is very valuable to know what the Bible says. But at some point, we've got to live what the Bible says. And I want us not to just know what he said, but I want us to live what he said. I believe everything we do as a church should be centered in either the Great Commission or the Great Commandment. And we spend a lot of time talking about these principles. The Great Commandment is, is what we're talking, uh, is, is, is the Great Commission is what we're going to talk about today. The great, com, the great Commandment is what Jesus talked about in Matthew 22 when a religious leader came and asked him, What's the Great Commandment? And he said, The Great Commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Un unless you got something else to do where it ain't convenient. Or it costs you money. No, that's not what he said. He said that the biggest commandment that he had, that we should love God with our everything. And dude didn't ask him what the second was, but Jesus said, I'll give you the second because it's just as important as the first, that you love your neighbor as yourself. So this is where we get the teaching uh, that, that we cover so often to love God and to love people. That's the great commandment. But the great commission is what we're looking at today, and this is what Jesus has called us to do, and we really need to get on with it. Now, in this commission, I, I want you to see three things as I go through this sermon that Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to evangelize, to baptize, and to educate. Do you hear me? To evangelize, to baptize, and to educate. Now, we can't do those things Unless we are those things. Because you can only give away what you possess. Uh, you can't give me some fantastic food unless you possess some fantastic food to give me. Now, I've had some people tell me, ooh, I made you some wonderful cake. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I wasn't able to quite finish it because I realized quickly on bite one, our definition of wonderful was two different things. Can't give me wonderful cake if you don't possess wonderful cake. And you can't give me these things that, that God wants us to go out and do unless you are. You got to be these things. You have had to have been personally evangelized and converted to the cause of Christianity. I hope you fit into that group. If, if you're going to go out and do this commission of evangelizing, you have to yourself be on the saved side. You had to have been evangelized yourself. If you're going to go out and, 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 and be involved in seeing others be baptized, then you need to be baptized yourself. If you're going to go out and you are going to participate in this commission of educating the world on uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ, then you yourself need to get educated on the teaching of Jesus Christ. See, this, this doesn't work in large church settings because in large church settings, you have a lot of people there for different reasons, and all of them aren't truly there because they're sold out, fire baptized, saved, and sanctified. 
Uh, they have different reasons for going to those churches. Uh, and, and praise the Lord. I, I'm for any church that preaches Jesus. But if, if we're a kind of church that didn't, doesn't just preach Jesus, we tell you the truth about what God's Word says, and that means that there's some stuff that we've got to do. And we've got to do these three things, but we've got to be them before we can do them. But in Matthew 28, 18, in our opening text, the Bible says Jesus came and told his disciples. Another version says he spoke these words to them. Before we even get into it this morning, I want you to know it always starts with the word. What God does starts with a word. He, 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 he always has a word for what he wants to accomplish. If you look in the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, when there was nothing, God spoke everything into existence. If you are saved at all, it's because God spoke to you by his spirit to draw you. If you've ever learned anything about the Bible, even if you say you learned it from your first pastor in your grandmama's church 30 years ago, it was because you heard God speak something to you that enacted change. When God speaks, things happen. And everything starts with the word, and man, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a bunch of verses, rapid fire. I'm just, this is going to be machine gun scripture for you right now, uh, just to prove this point to you that it all starts with what? In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In Matthew 8, 16, Jesus cast out spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. In Mark 2, 2, Jesus preached the word to them. In John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. In John 15, 3, Jesus said, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. In Acts 4.31, the Bible tells us they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. In Acts 10.44, the scripture says the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Acts 15.35 says Paul also and Barnabas preach the word. Romans 10.15 says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Ephesians 5.26 says we're sanctified and cleansed by, guess what? The word. In 2 Timothy 4.2, the Bible commands us to preach the word. In Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says the word is alive. Hebrews 11.3 says the worlds were framed by the word of God. James tells us in chapter 1 verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 1 Peter 2 2 says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And in Revelation 19 13, the scripture says, Jesus was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. God. I want you to know the Bible tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything starts with guess what? The word. We got to be Word people. If you don't get anything out of this scripture today, you need to realize that God has commanded you to be a word person. You, you, you need to hold God in higher esteem. We all need to get a higher view of God. Now, 
Things, man puts his hands on things and takes things that may have started off good to an extreme. I think it was a good thing in old holiness churches where mothers sat on the front row, wore white dresses so everybody knew they were holy, and they carried around sticks to hit people with. And Mother Jones was not going to sit there and watch you not pay attention, talk during the preaching, mess up around when people were trying to worship God, stick gum up. You better not stick gum up under the chair. Mother Jones would come unglued because she cleans those chairs. And, but it got to a point where people were so scared of the church mothers, they stopped listening to the word because they were watching the church mothers. Okay? But they... they so they did. They phase that out. You don't see that as much now. You, uh, and they, they, but when they had that, now I'm not saying you know Miss Jones needs to go around hitting everybody, even though it might help. But that's funny. She, they, there needs to be a higher view of the Lord. Needs to be a higher view. We need to hold God in higher esteem. That used to happen in in previous generations. People would come and and, and they knew. God is, to be, God is to be respected. The house of God is to be respected. Reverence. We need reverence. In a, we, we need an exalted view of God. I, I was riding by this church the other day, and listen, I, I, I thank God for the work that they're doing, and I pray they reach many souls for Christ. But there used to be a church, uh, and it's my opinion. You do you, I'm going to do me. There, there, there's a church on uh, Highway 17, in Fleming Island, got a beautiful pond in front of it, red brick, white columns, gorgeous, looking very, very uh, respectful-looking church. One of these newer churches, uh, they bought it, painted it battleship gray, warehouse gray, covered up all the brick, knocked down all the columns, and now it looks like a warehouse because their motto is, we don't want to look like church. And I'm thinking, man, y'all going to make me put up a steeple and some columns somewhere. Uh, I, I think that, listen, and, and you see me in jeans. And I even put a collared shirt on today. Most uh, Many times I come in here in a T-shirt and some jeans. I'm not saying that you got to get all dressed up and be all fancy. You can have a high view of God in flip-flops. See, the Bible says man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. I'm not saying we got to dress it all up with brick and columns. I'm not saying we, that we ought to have, you know, the biggest steeple. I would love to have that, but we got to build a food and clothing building first. Uh, but what I am saying is through the generations, people have become too common with God. They've lowered their view of God. They've lost their fear of God. And they don't seem to have the reverence that the church mother stuck around to try to make sure we've had. We need to elevate our view of God. But we also need to understand, once we elevate our view of God, that the God we, we've elevated told us that he's exalted his word above his name. You can't tell me that you have a high view of God, but you don't have a high view of his word. Well, I mean, you can say those words out of your mouth, but you can tell me that, you know, you, 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 you can fly. It don't make me believe it. I think my children have finally reached the age they quit believing me. My children thought I was a superhero when, I, when they were younger, and yours probably did too, but my kids started on a different level. And, and it might have been because maybe I might have, at, in some small manner, told them this. That I could fly. And they, and they just tell me, my dad can fly. 
And I guess they got around some of those smarty smart kids, and they, they told them, your dad can't fly. Have you seen him fly? And they're like, no. And so one of them came home and asked me one day, he said, Dad, you can fly, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I can fly. And I tell you I can fly? They said, well, can you show me? I said, son, that's the magic about it. I can only fly at night when nobody's watching. <laughs> but they had, a, they, had an they had an elevated view of me. It's like kids when they're smart. Now, maybe your kids didn't think you could fly. You know, I, I, I saw a meme. They were too old for me to pull this meme. If I'd have seen this meme uh, earlier in life, uh, I, I'd have probably pulled this one on them. I'd have probably tried to convince them I was Batman because I saw this meme where this dude said, I'm not saying I'm Batman. I'm just saying you've never seen me, me and Batman in the same room together at the same time. Draw your own conclusion. Uh, but they were too old for me to pull that on. What I am saying is that children, when they're small, they have this elevated view. Uh, my, my daddy better, my daddy will beat your daddy up. My, my, my mama beat your mama up. Uh, everything can outrun them, can outjump them, make more money. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just this, it's this, it's this exalted view, and they just believe that. But as they get older, they stop believing we can fly. They stop believing in, in, in and they start, they start because they feel like I'm as big as he is. I'm as good as she is. I can cook better than her. They start thinking they, they can handle dad. Uh, well, Mal Malachi was looking pretty good this morning. You ain't going to let him take you yet, are you? He's not ready to just knock you out yet. Oh, well, he's getting bigger every day. Not going to happen. Okay. Well, you're not as much bigger as him than you used to be. He used to have to look all the way up at you. Now he's getting close. And, and so the kids start thinking, well, maybe God's not that great. Maybe my Heavenly Father is not that spirit. I, I want to let you know that you may become as, 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 as good or better, as tall or taller, as smart or smarter than your mother and father biologically, but we will never grow taller than God, better than God, smarter than God. We, we don't need to let this natural progress of I've been in Christ a long time now, I'm not as blown away by him as I should be. If you're still not blown away by the fact that God loves you when he didn't have to, if you're still not blown away by the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed for you on Calvary, if you're still not blown away that he's gone to prepare a place for you and that he's going to come back and get you, then you've grown cold on your faith. And we need to rekindle that love for God. We need, and it starts with the word, and we need to have a high view of God, and we need to have a high view of the word. So let me just get down to brass tacks and ask you this morning, how are you doing in your love for the word of God? How are you doing when it comes to your relationship with God and his written word? I'm just asking, how are you doing? Do, do you know it? Do you live it? Do you love it? Or do you just pick it up every now and then and try to get something out of it? I want to tell you something. 
God, a relationship with God has some similarity, not complete, but some similarities in our relationship with each other. He says he's, he's the groom and we're the bride. He gives us this analogy, this metaphor of a love relationship, an intimate love relationship. Let me, let me tell you something. Usually, we, preachers tell stories about the man trying to cozy up to the woman and her putting the brakes on him because he didn't take out the trash or do whatever he was supposed to do, didn't breathe right around or whatever. But we usually go to that. But because Jesus is viewed as the groom and we're viewed as the bride, let's flip that. Let's, let's say that, that the woman want, wants to cozy up to the man, but she's been ignoring him and disrespecting him in front of his friends all day long. You think that's really going to get you intimacy? It's not. We struggle so many times, real Christians struggle with intimacy with God because they haven't shown our God the respect and, and, and the love that he desires. You, you just can't, God, a real spouse, and I don't know about some of y'all freaks out there, I can't speak to you, but a real spouse expects full-time commitment. Three people agree. Guess we know who the freaks are, Mr. C. I mean, they're just like, you know, get me when you get me. You know, they just got to get in where they fit in. Uh, no, that, that's, that's, that's streetish. Real marriage, the people involved in that should expect full-time, all-time commitment. No wavering. Morning, noon, and night. They, they, they need to not just know the words to songs. They need to feel it and not just feel it but live it. They, they need to be serious when they tell you they only think of you on two occasions. Huh? When's that? That's day and night. That's real love. And God did not send his son to this cruel earth to be misunderstood, lied on, lied about, beaten, stripped naked, and hung on a cross to bleed and die for us so that we could be his casual, part-time lover. I thank God for the Holy Ghost because I almost said something different. God's looking for full-time commitment. And if you just want to live shabby all week long and then one, once or twice just throw your Bible open... And, and, and say, speak to me. That's not going to work, is it? No. The Bible says that even the offering of the unrighteous is an abomination to the Lord if they bring it with a wicked heart. We, we, we got, we got, God wants us to love him. And, and, and we, ought to, we ought to know what the word says. We ought to live it. We ought to, we ought to love to hear God's word. Yesterday, if, if my wife was still alive, it would have been her 50th birthday. And, and I was saying, man, I can't even imagine what she'd look like at 50. And she died at 36. Uh, and she, she'd have been 50 years old. And I, I remember when she passed, I, still pa I paid for her cell phone uh, for about nine months. I kept her cell phone turned on after she passed. Because probably, without exaggerating, and, and I do exaggerate sometimes to prove a point. It's called hyperbole. Um, but literally, literally, I probably called that number 20 to 50 times a day. Every day. 
And anybody want to take a guess why I kept paying her AT&T bill and left that phone turned on? Just so I could hear her voice. Now, somebody told me years later, you know, you could have just recorded that. But I just wanted to hear her voice. And if you've ever loved anybody for real, and they're not, if mama's not around anymore and you really love mama, you know you wish you could just hear mama talk to you one more time. You can't convince me that you deeply love God if you don't want to hear what he has to say to you. We got to get an exalted view of God. We got to get an exalted view of God's word. But I, I, I told you. The, the, that we need to do three things. We need to evangelize, we need to baptize, and we need to educate. Let's look at evangelism. Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And I want us to know that as Christians, we are operating from a place of power. We don't have to conjure this up. We don't have to hype this up. We, we don't have to pep rally this up. We, we, we just have to understand that he has all power, and he has given us the power to do what he's told us to do. So let me, let me get you to understand this. Because he's able, and because he gave you the power to evangelize, you're able. Well, I'm not, I don't know how to evangelize. He's given you the power to evangelize. I don't know what to say. He said that he'll put the words in your mouth. To say when people come and you, and, they, and, and you need to speak to them. You need to stop walking in fear and excuses and realize he told me to evangelize. He said he gave me power to evangelize and I'm going to start evangelizing. We got to get more serious as a church about evangelism. Bible says that people need to hear about our God. And it also says, how can they hear if nobody will tell them? There are people on your job site, in your family, in your community that won't listen about God and the things of God because the people that have told them stuff were bogus and phony and they didn't like it. And that is why it is imperative that we who truly claim salvation, that we live what we believe, that we talk the talk and we walk the walk. Because if you'll walk the walk long enough, when you talk, they'll listen to the word that God has empowered you to say. When Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth, that this commission, the commission that follows is a uh, uh, given in light of his authority. It indicates that it's a command and not a suggestion. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, that, that wasn't an option. That was a command. We've got to, nobody else is going to do it. Let me, let me assure you this. Unsaved people are not going to lead themselves to Christ. They don't know the way. They don't know the truth and they don't know the life. And they need somebody to share with them the truth. Evangelism is waning in the world today. People, churches used to be much more engaged in evangelism. And we need to understand that evangelism will never go out of style. Evangelism will never go out of favor with God. And we will never be excused by God from obeying his command of evangelism. When's the last time you even tried to share your faith with somebody? 
See, we make it easy. We, we make it easy on, on, on Christians in today's culture. God is my witness. I still have the notebook. When I got saved inside the first month of getting saved, I was so determined to share this newfound faith that I had because I was so in love with God. I went within the first month of being saved. I walked to the nearest apartment complex to my house. It was Westminster. I don't know what they renamed it. It was on the uh, golf course uh, right there at, at uh, uh, off Collins. It's off Collins Road now. It used to be behind an apartment complex off Blanding and Townsend. But I knocked... It took me 29 doors before this happened. And I had doors slammed on my face. I had people give me different reasons. I would knock on doors. Hi, my name is Scott Becker, and I'm in your neighborhood today just sharing with people the love of God. And I wonder if you had a moment I could talk to you about your personal need for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Door slammed. I'm already saved. Thanks for coming by. Keep up the good work. Uh, God bless you, young man. Uh, and... I, I wrote it down. I recorded it because I've always been a, you know, a, a pretty diligent person like that. And so I wrote down all the responses. And at the 29th door that I knocked on, the Spirit of God moved. And it wasn't because I gave a better speech. It wasn't because I did a better job. It wasn't because I said anything different. The Bible says the only way someone can come to God is if God's Spirit draws them. And this young lady answered her door. It was, a, it was the summer of 1981 uh, off Blanding Boulevard near Blanding and Townsend at the Westminster Apartments. And I asked her if I could talk to her about her need for a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And within moments, she was on her knees, weeping, praying with me to receive Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. I got so excited, I don't even know why. I never wrote her name down. I wrote 29 down, and I circled it like eight times. And I ran home to call everybody I knew at the church and tell them. How many of y'all remember having to go home to call somebody? Kids are like, why didn't you just use your phone? Here's a news flash for you young people. We didn't have phones. You tell kids that and they're like, did y'all have cars? Yes, yeah, smarty, we had cars credit cards and money and everything. We just didn't have a phone in our pocket. So I, I ran home, uh, and, and it was the course of my life to share God's love with people everywhere I go. When I, when I meet people, I don't start with them by, by telling them I'm a pastor. I look for a way to strike up a conversation with them for the express purpose of asking them one question. Are you a Christian? And I love to hear their responses. And I tell them, if, if they act like they don't want to talk, I tell them, well, I'm a curious person by nature because I am. Tell me what you think somebody's got to do to be a Christian. And then I find out how much bad theology is in the world, and I give them the option to receive God uh, uh, by, by grace through faith. But we got to get serious about evangelism. He's given us the authority just as God the Father sent the Son into the world to point people to Him and gave Jesus authority, Jesus has now sent us into the world to point people to Him, and He has given us authority. I believe we'd be more effective if we understood this power that is in us. Because I know sometimes in my own life, I'm sure in your life, 
we don't always feel that powerful. We don't always feel that gifted. We don't always feel that capable. We, 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 that's why we try to push it off on somebody else. But God says he's given us power to evangelize them. That Greek word power is exousia, and it means the power of influence that comes from authority. I'm going to say it to you again. It's the power of influence that comes from authority. And you don't have to look hard to see how backwards most churches in the western uh, part of the world are right now. Because if you really look and will be honest, and I gave you this assignment, go to 10 churches and tell me, does it look like they are influencing their culture and their community Or does it look like their culture and their community is influencing them? Now, people have been around for a while know that God told us to go out and be salt and light for the world, to go out and flavor and brighten the world for Him, to go out and change, to take dominion, to have authority, to be movers and shakers and revelators. And and people have been around for a while know instead of the church going out into the world and changing the world, we've allowed the world to come into the church and change the church. And the reason why is disobedience based on laziness. Oh, you can't get this at the big church. They're just going to tell you how wonderful you are and how, you know, you just, you, you fulfilled all your requirements by breathing today. There's a world that's lost and dying and on their way to hell. And if we don't go out and tell them, then they're going to spend forever in hell. And we need to get serious about evangelism. We need to understand God has given us the power to influence our... Well, I'm just one person. Does your one person have God living in you? Then you can do great things. People get so wrong. They look at, they look at these famous people. They look at whoever, whoever your one is. You, you know, whoever you think is the greatest preacher, the greatest prophet, the, the greatest man, woman of God on the planet, and you just think they're so special, they're wonderful. If they're special at all, the only thing special about them is the God in them. If anybody ever accomplished anything for God, it wasn't done by their human strength, their reasoning, their power of oratory, or their amazing intellect or gifting. God already told us these things don't happen by power or by might, but by his spirit. And if his spirit lives in you, the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's power. Don't be defeated by your circumstances. It doesn't matter if you're broke as a joke. It doesn't matter if you have no, no two nickels to rub together. What you do have is power on the inside of you, if you're a Christian, to go out and change the world. People write all these books on the power of influence, the law of attraction, shaping and changing the world around you. Listen, you don't have to read all those books. All you do is have to accept the truth of the Word of God. He gave me power to be an influencer. And I'm going to go influence it. You ought to go as salt and light every place you go. You, you, you carry God's spirit with you. You're his ambassador. When I walked in to the kangaroo today on the corner of, oh, it's on two corners. That's how big it is. Uh, what's that? Schindler and Old Middleburg. 
west on 103rd Street, I saw my man, who well, we were talking about his name the other day. I saw him today, had, had a conversation with him, talked to him, asked him what's up. He was very articulate. I enjoyed the conversation with him. But anyway, when, when I walked into, and it's one of the reasons I talked to him. I've seen him in there before. Uh, and, and let me tell you what he does. He gets a cup. I ain't going to tell you where he gets the cup from because it, it, it ain't always hygienically sound. But he takes a cup wherever he gets one, and he just stands. He was standing at the soda machine, just refilling it, drinking it. Staring at people, refilling it and, 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 and drinking it. Uh, it's amazing. Nobody messes with him. I've been in Burger King up here on, on, uh, on 103rd Street. And Rogers walk in, pull, pull a cup out of the top of the trash can, rinse it out, and just fill it up and walk straight out. Nobody says a word to him. Now, I thought that was, you know, that was specific for homeless people until I was sitting in there one day and some of the kids from Forest or, or West Side High School got out and came walked in there, and there was about 60 of them in there, and none of, uh, three of them were spending money. One brother got up to throw his cup away, and this other dude said, Yo, dog, don't throw that away. Let me get that cup on the rinse out. 56 years old, never heard. Anybody asked to get a cup on a rinse out? But then, but now looking at it, I'm like, well, looks like Charles ain't the only one taking a cup on a rinse out. But I walked in there and I knew, because I'd been spending time in prayer, I knew I'm walking into this kangaroo as the ambassador for the Most High God. I'm walking into this kangaroo as salt and light, and salt flavors what it touches, and light brightens everywhere it goes. And when you walk into your job, your home, your community, the mall, a restaurant, your school, you ought to walk in there knowing, I'm here to change everything. I'm here to be the influencer in this place. I'm here to shine. We got to get to evangelism. You need to understand, you already got the power to do it. You've already been commanded to do it. You don't have to have anything special. You have got the paperwork. You got the paperwork. These, these, these ambassadors that live in America in Washington, D.C., the ambassador, I was telling my kids this the other day uh, about diplomatic immunity. You know these ambassadors that come to our country, the ambassador to us from China, from, from Japan, from Iraq, they can, do, they can break any one of our laws we want to in front of the cops, and the cops can't mess with them because they have diplomatic immunity. Isn't that right? You can't touch them. Why? Because they answer to a higher authority in their mind than the U.S. government. And I want to tell you something. If you're saved, you answer to a higher authority, and you're representing a higher government than this little country. People, people, Listen, I love America, but America's a young and a small country, and if God chose to wipe America off the face of the earth, God don't need America. America needs God. And we represent God. If you represented, if I told you... Uh, Go, go, go over to the Wyatt's house, tell them I said uh, I need to borrow uh, three spoons and, and, and a cutting knife. Uh, and and you, you could be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know them that well. And um, I, uh, well, they, I don't know if they'd let me borrow. I, they don't tell them you want to borrow. Tell them I sent you. And I told you to tell them to get me them utensils. And you know what? They'd do it. 
This is what military people understand. See, military people, you, you can have this mindset, but you end up in prison. You don't hear this on a military base anywhere in the world. Somebody walks in and says, um, Commander Smith said that we, we need to police this whole area out front, get everything picked up looking good. Here's what you don't hear on a military base. Well, who is you? You don't hear that. You, have, you hear kids saying that to teachers now. You hear kids saying that to police people now. You, 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 that, who, 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 are you, who are you to tell me? You don't hear that in a military base because here's what the soldier, the sailor, the airman, the marine, the coasting, here's what they heard right off the bat. Commander said, oh, well, we better get to police in this place. When you go, you have the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of heaven, has sent you with all power to go out and to represent him. So we got to get busy about evangelism. But, but understand this. Oh, and I forgot to leave this in the notes, Deacon Mike. I, think, I don't think it's in the notes. But I want you to think of who Jesus was talking to when he told them to go and to make disciples of all nations. These were ignorant, uneducated people. That's what the Bible says about them. That's not a condemnation. That's just a fact. They, they, they weren't trained. They hadn't been to seminary. I have people tell me all the time, Pastor Scott, I wish I could go to seminary like you did so I can know as much about the Bible. As you know, I didn't learn very much about the Bible in seminary. Most of what I learned about the Bible, I learned the same way you did, at home, in my prayer closet, studying the Word of God. But what were we just saying? Who? Oh, the disciples. I saw somebody do something, and it hit me. It's difficult to continue to preach the word while having conversations, side conversations in my head, because I could be talking about what I'm talking about right now, but all the time thinking, man, she's working that gum so hard. I mean, just, and and she just, the dude just picked his wedgie when he sat down. He's picking it again when he's been here that long. How did he wedge up? But what are we saying? Ignorant and unlearned men. Think about who Jesus said, told, go out to all the nations. He told a bunch of ragtags that. Well, I haven't been to seminary, so I don't know if it's my place. Well, I'm not that educated or articulate. I'm not that special. I'm not that gifted. None of these people are educated, articulate, special, or gifted. But Jesus told them to go because he gave them power to go. Here's the part I didn't put in the notes. I'll read it to you word for word, though, because this, this is just awesome. Uh, the Prince of Preachers, uh, Charles Spurgeon, said this, and I quote, Who is it that goes, out, that goes out from this first band of disciples? It is Peter, the rash and headstrong, the denier. It is John, who sometimes wishes to call fire from heaven to destroy all the people in front of him that he disagrees with. It is Philip with whom the Savior has been so long, and yet Philip says, I don't know you. It is Thomas that says, for me to believe in you, I'll have to see the nail prints in your hand. Yet the master tells them all to go because I've given you power. You are as good for my, listen, here it is. You are as good for my purpose as anybody else would be. There is no power in you, I know this well, but there is power in me, so go. 
See, people want to believe that we're awesome, we're powerful, that it's the God. God has made me uh, amazing, and I'm mighty, and I'm a champion. I, I believe all that if you want to. The, 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 the old scholars, the, the people who stayed by the truth, understood. It's not about what's special. It's about us. It's about the God in us. And they, these people, they were raggedy, y'all. The majority of people in this room know more scripture than what those people knew. The majority of people in this room have, have done more good deeds than what those people have done up until that time. But it's not about how good you are, how smart you are, how educated you are. It's not about have you been trained in evangelism, explosion, or the Romans road to salvation. It's not about if you've been in church and got titles behind your name. It's about are you saved and are you willing to obey what God said he gave you power to do. We got to get serious about evangelism. In verse 19, when he says go, uh, that Greek word, uh, he, he says go and teach all nations. That, 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 that Greek word for teach is methatuo, and it means to cause someone else to follow his precepts and instruction or to convert them to your way of thinking. That's evangelism. When you cause someone else to change their way of thinking about who God is, that's evangelism. When you cause someone else to be converted to a different way of instruction, that's evangelism. I told you that there's three parts to this commission. Number one was to evangelize. Number two is baptize. Say baptize. Now, we know here, if you've been around at Abundant Life, you know that the law of descending order states that things in a list are prioritized from first to last. So uh, between evangelism and baptism, which one did I talk about first? Evangelism, because that's what's on the list first. You, you got to say, you got to get people saved for you, you can teach them anything, before you can baptize them. You got to get people saved. There's too many people in church right now teaching, preaching, ushering, deaking, serving, working, leading praise and worship, singing in choirs that aren't even converted. And they wonder why they don't feel the power of the Holy Ghost inside them. I'm trying to serve him as best I can. Well, you got to get saved for all that to work just right. You got to get the power on the inside of you. So we gotta we gotta get we gotta get converted first, but then we have to be baptized. In Acts 8, Philip was teaching the Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus. And the eunuch said, There's water. What's hindering me? What's stopping me from getting baptized? And Philip said, if you believe in Jesus with all your heart, then, let me ask you this, Abundant Life, when is then? Then is after. Then is after. If you believe in Jesus with all your heart, then, after you've believed in Jesus with all your heart, then you can be baptized. That's why infant baptism is wrong. I was born into the Roman Catholic Church. They poured water on my head and called that my baptism. They gave me a St. Christopher's medal to wear around my necklace that would protect me from all hurt and all harm. And I, I, they told me I was good. I was solid. I was in the club. But I had not believed in Jesus with all my heart. I was less than 10 days old. And they just drowning me in a Catholic, whatever they want to call it, ceremony. You got to believe with God with all your heart first and then get baptized. That is the proper order. And there are people in this room, you haven't been baptized right. You might have got baptized then, 
way back then, but then you believed in Jesus with your whole heart. If I went around the room and I asked every one of you, when I got to you and I said, tell me when you got baptized. Oh, I got baptized in 1974. Well, when did you get saved for real? Oh, I, I got saved for real in, in, in 2008. Guess what you need to do? You need to get baptized. Not just to be baptized again, but to be baptized properly. To get your baptism on the proper side. You got baptized before you even got saved. That's on the wrong side of your salvation. We're going to baptize tonight. Many of you need to come and you need to get baptized. And whatever your excuse is, you need to choose God over your excuse. Well, I don't like to come back to church on Sunday night. God, God's not asking for your approval. He's asking for your obedience. Well, I don't like getting wet in front of people. My hair will be messed up. God's not asking for your pride. He's asking for your obedience. And I'm telling you, there are many people in this room that have a chance tonight to walk in God's ways and in God's word. And you need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. If you weren't dunked all the way under, and this is what I tell people, when I baptize them, please do not resist me. I'm going to lay you back in this water. But I put my hand up here. Uh, if, if it's dudes, I might put a little lower. But I, I, I put my hand, I try not to get up. All, uh, put my hand right here. And I tell people, if you don't go back, when I lay you back, I will push you down. And, and we've seen people fight me. And we've seen people fight me and try to come up, and we got to do it all over again. Why would we do it all over again? Because we're serious about obeying the command of Jesus Christ to be baptized. That word baptized is the Greek word baptizo, and it means to be submerged, to be immersed, to be dunked. And Jesus was dunked, and you need to come and get dunked Tonight, So we're told in this great commission that our mission is to evangelize, to baptize, and the last thing is to educate. Say educate. Verse 20 says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We got to educate new believers and believers that have been around for a while into things of God. That's why we have special things on Sunday night. That's why we come to church on Sunday morning. And on Wednesday night, to learn more about this God that has given us salvation. And you need to get involved in teaching somebody. Everybody in here that's truly saved can teach another believer something. And every one of us, no matter how long we've been saved, can learn something from another believer. Every one of us should be involved in discipleship. You should be sharing what you know about God with somebody else and you should be getting educated on the things of God more and more and more. So I wonder, have, have, have you been reached through evangelism? Have you been baptized properly? Are you embracing education? Realize that the Great Commission starts with a promise and it ends with a promise. Jesus promises that he's, he has all authority and he's given us power in the beginning of it, and he, he closes by telling us he's always with us. I'm going to get out of here, but I, I, just, I just, in studying this, I saw something that was very unique and very interesting. Um, the, the, the English adverb always in this text comes from a Greek expression that's only found here in the Bible. It's only found in this great commission, and when he says, I'm always 
with you. It, it, it literally means the whole of every day. He's not just with you in the morning. He's not just with you at night. He's just not just with you when you get saved. He's not just going to be with you when you get to heaven. He's always with you. Oh, there's power in unity. There's power in connection. If you're saved, you're already connected to God. No matter how hard you try to pull away from Him, you're connected. The Greek language which the New Testament was written in is a picturesque language. And when Jesus said, take my yoke. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. A yoke is a piece of equipment that you put the head of an animal in so that they can do work and you can direct where they're going. And some of you know this and some of you don't, but the common use of a two-yoked oxen was to put an old mature ox in one half of that yoke and put a young one in the other. Jesus wants us to be yoked with him. If you're saved, you are in his yoke. Who do you think the mature one is? And the reason they would put the strong, mature ox on one side is just that there would be strength to get the work done when the younger ox didn't have the strength to do it. But not only that, they, they, they put the young ox in the yoke with the older ox because when the young ox tried to veer off and plow sideways, the, 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 the more mature, stronger ox would just be like, nah, we ain't going that way today, cuz. We're going this way. And some of you as young ox, you've tried to pull away, you've tried to veer away, but you ought to be so thankful and so glad that he has got a yoke on you and he won't let you get away. And what happens to the ox by and by is, you know, because young ox are as dumb as young Christians. But eventually, here's what they learn. Ain't no sense in me trying to pull away from this big old ox. Because he ain't going to let it happen. No matter how hard I try to go left, he's going to keep me straight. No matter how hard I try to go right, he's going to keep me straight. And so they start working together. And as they work together, the job gets done easier. And the young ox don't go home with a neck ache from trying to pull against an immovable force. Some of you would say that you've been running from God. I want to tell you, you can't run from somebody that's got a yoke around your neck and who's in it with you. You can't run from somebody who is everywhere. And you need to realize God has a job for you to do and you need to get on with doing it. And he's going to be with you every second of every minute of every hour of every day. God's called us to do these three things. But we, we can't just do them like I told you in the beginning. we got to be them. So let me close by asking you this. Have you been converted? Everyone in this room has been the recipient of some type of evangelism. The fact that you're here today, you've been evangelized today. But even prior to today, somebody's prayed for you. Somebody has shared uh, the love of God with you. Somebody has in some way pointed you a commercial, a pamphlet, a tract, something. Every person in this room 
has been the recipient of some type of evangelism, but every person in this room has not yielded. Every person in this room has not accepted the free gift that God has through salvation. The Bible says that the payment for our sin is death. An eternal death and separation from God. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. Here's my question to you. Would you rather die and go to hell forever? Or would you rather accept the offering that God has in the gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ? That's the choice for you to make. You're, the, the option is available. Jesus said you can come to Him and He would give you salvation. But you got to make a determination. Have you truly been converted? The saddest thing to me is good people sitting in church and aren't really saved. There's people all over that truly want to be better. But if you could get better on your own, you wouldn't need real salvation. You need God living inside you. People trying to, well, I'm going to go to church and clean myself up so, so God can save me. You don't clean the fish till you catch the fish. You got to let God catch you. He'll clean you up. Stop trying to clean your own life up. Let God catch you. Jump in God's boat. Become a real Christian. Get converted. And then after you've been converted, get baptized. It's not optional. You got liars out there preaching that baptism is optional. Baptism is not optional. I'm not going to take the time to preach to you about baptism this morning. But Jesus said, we must do all that God requires. When John didn't want to baptize Jesus, John knew who Jesus was. They were cousins. John didn't want to baptize Jesus. He said, I'm not even worthy to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus knew he had to be baptized and somebody had to do it. Because God requires it. If Jesus got baptized, you need to get baptized. If you want to call yourself a Christian, God requires it. We're going to help you with that tonight. If you've been converted, if you've been baptized, I wonder, are you investing your life in biblical education? You say, well, I'm here. That's awesome. But I've told you so many times, if the only Bible you ever think about and only read or listen to is in this room, you're malnourished spiritually. Are you investing in your own spiritual? Some of you wonder why you can't get close to God. And you say that you've tried God. Have you ever really tried to read the Bible? Have you ever spent uh, some time reading the Bible every day for a whole month? Have you, ever, have you ever really truly been diligent about your approach to God? I want you to get involved in Christian education. I'm not talking about homeschooling. I'm not talking about sending your children to Christian school. You do whatever God lays in your heart. I'm talking about getting personally educated in this book and the God of this book. Because we've been commanded through the Great Commission to go. That doesn't mean pack up and move somewhere. That, 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 that phrase in the original language is more rightly interpreted as you go. As you go to the ballpark, as you go to the restaurant, as you go to your home, as you go to your school, as you go to your job, you should be doing these three things. Evangelism, telling people they need to get baptized, and educating them in the things of God. We're going to have a short time of invitation this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get saved. If you're here and you're like, I'm ready. No matter how many times you tried before, if you'd say, I'm ready today. 
to let today be real salvation to me. Today would be a great day for you to do that because then you just turn around tonight and get baptized and, hey, listen, two for one special. That abundant life. And one day, if you're not saved, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart from, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Many of you have tried that, and you'll be honest. You'll say, I did that, and it didn't work. Do it again. And do it till it works. The Bible says you will only find him when you search for him with your whole heart. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. The Bible says keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on believing. you got to keep on searching until it works. You can come. You can get saved today. Some of you are saved for real, but you know you've been slipping. You, 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 know, you know that you've fallen back from your commitment to Christ. Here's the good news for you. He said he's married to the backslider, and he'll never let you go. He said that if you just confess your sin to him, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Everybody in this room is only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. The unsaved person just needs to ask God to save them, and God will do it. The saved person that ain't been living right just needs to ask God to forgive them, and God will do it. We're going to give you that opportunity. Some of you need to make a decision today that says, you know what? I didn't even sign up, but I'm going to come tonight and get baptized. Because I want to do what God requires of me. You cannot convince anyone that you truly are serious about following God if you're unwilling to do what he said he requires. We've got to get serious about evangelism, baptism, and education. If you're physically able, I want you to stand on your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We're going to have this time of invitation. I want to ask the altar workers, the elders and the altar workers to come forward. Uh, let's get some people up here to pray with folk. If you're here and you want salvation today, I don't even want you to wait on anybody else. I want you to come and just tell one of these ministry workers, I want to get saved today and let them pray with you to be saved. Uh, if you want to come pray on this altar by yourself, you can do that. Whatever God lays on your heart, as Christians are praying all around the room, you do what God's called you to do. Come to Jesus. He's ready for you. God, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you, God, for salvation being available to all who would choose it. God, I pray for unsaved people in this room, God, that, that they would be saved soon. God, for everyone who needs to be baptized, God, I pray that they would follow you in obedience tonight and come and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you would let us honor you in this great commission that we would be involved in evangelism, baptism, and education. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.